Welcome to the teaching ministry at Magnolia's First. We hope the next few minutes will help you take your next steps on your faith journey. And we would love to help you take those next steps. Just head over to m1bc.org and fill out the connect form and a pastor will get in touch with you very soon. Or you can text us at 281-343-3033. A man named Edgar C. Wisenhut was a retired NASA engineer and Bible student who predicted that the rapture would occur in 1988, somewhere between September 11th and September 13th. And he published a book about this, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. 300,000 books were sent uh, to pastors with no charge, and another four and a half million books were sold in Christian bookstores and elsewhere. Well, when Jesus didn't come in 1988, he published a sequel. The Final Shout, The Rapture Report, 1989, predicting that Jesus would come in 1989. When Jesus didn't come in 1989, he published two more books, one in 1993 and one in 1994, both of which predicted that those would be the years that Jesus would come. Well, Mr. Wisenhunt died and went to see Jesus in 2001, and I have no doubt when he stood before the Lord, he asked him, why didn't you come based on my predictions? And you know, I guess he really didn't take to heart Acts chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, and the words of Jesus. It says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. And yet, through the ages, Christ followers insist on making predictions on when Jesus will return. Now, there's no doubt that the signs prophesied in Scripture that we have seen fulfilled tell us we're in the last chapter of human history. But we do not know how long that chapter will, will be. Uh, we should live with the sense of the, the word that theologians and Bible teachers use as eminence, that we should expect that Jesus could return at any time. But remember that the God for whom a day is a, as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day does not work by our calendars. We don't know if Jesus will come tomorrow or 20 more centuries later but we do know he is coming. He is coming. Boy, I should get an amen from somebody besides my wife for that. We know that he is coming. Thank you. Well, so what do we do in the meantime? What does that mean for our everyday lives as committed Christ followers? Well, as we are making our way through the book of James, and as we have said, the book of James is a, a road map to spiritual maturity. James gives us some instruction on that very subject. And so our text today, though we'll look at several different passages of Scripture, our main text is James chapter 5, 
verses 7 through 12. And he gives us instruction about the attitude we should have as we live every day as if this could be the day that the curtain falls on human history and Jesus breaks through the clouds. Jesus and James tell us to be three things, patient, peaceful, and persevering, which goes perfectly with the song, Judy. That was fantastic, by the way. So let's begin to walk through our passage together. James chapter 5, we'll begin with verse 7. As always, I'm teaching from the New Living Translation. James says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. Now, in previous verses in James, James talked about how unfairly and unjustly that some of the workers in the fields were being treated, how they were being cheated out of their hard-earned wages, how they were being mistreated by the mercenary rich of their day. And those workers longed for justice. They longed for that to be made right. And they had been taught about the second coming, when Jesus would come to judge the world. And they longed impatiently for Jesus to come and to make those things and everything else right. As we look around in our world, we long for that too, don't we? There are so many things that are unjust and corrupt, and there's so much suffering and disease and heartbreak. We long for that day when Jesus will come. But though they knew he was coming, they didn't know when. And so James says to them, verse 8, you too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Be patient. Uh, the word from which that is uh, translated in the Greek uh, literally has the idea, the ability to wait in tranquility. The ability to wait in tranquility. When there's something that we need or something that we expect and it has not yet arrived to wait in tranquility. When we believe God is going to work out the problem we're facing but we cannot see how it could be possible, we are to wait in tranquility. When we have prayed and prayed and prayed some more, and the only answer we seem to be getting from God is, not yet, not yet. When you long to grab the situation by the throat, but you can't get a hold of it, we are to be patient and wait in tranquility. And may I add, and trust God while we do so, to wait and wait and trust and trust. And James references the farmers who wait, who patiently wait for the rains. Now think of that. A farmer's work is cyclical. There, there are things that happen in sequence. They're a, a part of being a, a farmer. And there's nothing they can do 
to speed up or to rearrange the sequence in that pattern that are so much a part of their, their life. When they're in the season, while they're waiting for the rains that will eventually ripen their crop and bring it to harvest, there's nothing they can do to speed up that process. And are they making any profit while they're waiting? No. They must pay their workers. They must pay the expenses. But they must wait for the harvest. And so he uses that analogy to help us understand how we too must be patient. Have you ever heard this saying? God is never in a hurry, but he is never late. He's never in a hurry. We're in a hurry, aren't we? I mean, waiting. And we have been conditioned not to have to wait. I mean, technology has made things instantly available to us. Where you used to have to send a letter in the mail and wait for a letter to come back. Now you can text in a matter of seconds. And I could give you and you could give me many other examples. We live in a microwave mentality era. And yet there are so many things in the economy of God that we can do nothing but wait. Not only must we be patient, James goes on in the passage to say, we need to be peaceful, peaceful. Verse 9, don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. Don't grumble about each other. Here's the truth. In a family, in a business, even in a church, when there is difficulty they will either unite to stand strong together or they'll turn on each other. One or the other. They'll either become stronger because they unite to stand against whatever the issue may be or they begin to criticize and attack one another. And that was happening in the first century among the the early followers of Christ. Petty complaints began to go back and forth. Instead of extending to their brothers and sisters love and grace, they were being judgmental and critical. And James gives them a stern warning. He says, don't do that. You will be judged. And then he gives them a, a word picture, a visual that's saying, the judge is at the door. Do you remember what he said back in chapter 4? Verse 11 begins like this. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. And both in chapter 4 and now again in chapter 5, he says, we are not to judge others by speaking evil or grumbling about others. If we do, we will be the ones whom God judges. Now I want to pull in the Apostle Paul here at this point because he teaches that very same thing. In Romans chapter 14, Paul writes to the early believers in Rome. Beginning in verse 12, he says this, Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. 
decide to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. And in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul writes to the church uh, at Corinth, and he describes that time of judgment. Do you remember this passage, 1 Corinthians 3? I'll begin with verse 10 as he talks about how that day of judgment will be both a day of reward and a day of loss. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. Paul says, Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder, meaning the church. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, or wood, hay, or straw. But here's the result, verse 13. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. What a picture. What a picture. James is telling us in this passage, we're to be patient in times of suffering and peaceful as we live and serve Christ together. But there's one more word. And to, to illustrate this last word, persevering, James uses characters, heroes, real people from the history of the Jewish nation who were examples of those who were faithful in the midst of suffering, examples of persevering. Verse 10, back to our main text in James 5, verse 10. For examples of patience in suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Now, I think here James doesn't just have in mind uh, the great prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah. I think he is thinking of the, the whole cast of heroes from Old Testament times. And as I was thinking back to what some of those people went through as they were faithful to God, uh, the first one that came to my mind was Joseph. Our journey group that meets in our home is going through a study uh, on the life of Joseph. And you, you see in Joseph's life how he suffered, how he was thrown in a pit by his own brothers to die, but pulled out to be sold as a slave. And then how he was falsely accused by his owner's wife and thrown into prison. And yet through the midst of it all, Joseph held fast in his faith. Or how about Noah? Remember, it had never rained when God spoke to Noah and said, build a gigantic boat. And he began to preach about the Lord to people, and they ridiculed him and made fun of him and rejected him and called him crazy. And they must have wondered what was going on when the animals started walking up the gangplank and getting on the ark. But they still didn't repent. 
They still ridiculed and mocked Noah. And then they all lost their lives as a great flood destroyed the world of that day. Or how about Daniel? Daniel, who was an upright and godly man, still was thrown into the den of lions, which meant for anyone that they would be torn to shreds by those angry animals. And yet God locked the jaws of those lions and spared Daniel. Or how about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Wasn't the lion's den for them, it was the fiery furnace. I remember a, a children's musical we did years ago that said it's cool in the furnace. And God saved them. They persevered. They remained faithful. Or David, who was hunted like an animal by Saul. Or we could go on and on. How about Elijah? Our women's Bible study group that meets on Sunday night has been studying Elijah and coming off that great victory on Mount Carmel. He was pursued to take his life by those who worked for Ahab and Jezebel. We could go on and on. And, and James brings to our minds those who have been faithful in the midst of suffering. Verse 11 begins, We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. So let's look at, at the endurance of Job. What, what does that even mean to endure? Uh, the Greek word carries the idea of one who bears up under a heavy load, not idly waiting for someone to take it off their back, but moving forward even though the load is heavy, and they keep after it, and they keep after it. And Job was an example of that. You know the story. You remember how Job was a wealthy and well-respected and happy family man, how he had riches. He, he, he seemed to have everything, but then suddenly he lost his family. He lost his wealth. He lost his health. He lost his understanding of what God was doing and why he was doing it. Yet through it all, Job persevered faithfully. I want you to look with me quickly at Job chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. Picture this. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. James there in chapter 5, verse 11, says, You can see how the Lord was kind to him, meaning Job, at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. I quickly jump back to Job, and let's go all the way toward the end of his book to chapter 42, beginning with verse 10, after he had been through all of that and he had persevered and he had been faithful to God in the midst of the pain and confusion. It says, Job 42.10, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. 
Then all his brothers, sisters, and former friends came and feasted with him in his home, and they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him. James says there is a reward for persevering. Now, there are some who teach that if you, if you claim something by faith or, or you do this or you do that, then you won't have suffering, that God will protect you and nothing will. But that's not reality in this fallen world, is it? We do all suffer. As Judy said before song, we're all going through something. Uh, our, our study about Joseph and our home group, the title of it is, You'll Get Through This. And Max Lucado says, it won't be easy and it won't be quick, but God has a purpose for whatever mess you're in. Persevering, trusting in God, even when you don't understand. And James is saying there is a reward for this. For some people like Job, part of their reward is in this life. And they see how God blesses their faithfulness. But for others, their reward only comes when they get to that place where things don't rust, things don't get stolen, things, well, let me just let Matthew say it. Actually, it's Jesus' words from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. Jesus said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. James gives us three words, and I hope they stick with you. We must be patient. We must be peaceful. We must be persevering. And then at the end of this passage, Verse 12 seems like a puzzling postscript, and yet I think it's that James connects back again to what he has taught earlier in the letter as he taught about the tongue. And so in verse 12, James says this, but most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. Now, I think this is broad and it includes a lot. Certainly, it includes that we shouldn't uh, speak profanity that would use God's name, and that's so common in our culture today. Or we should not use the name of Jesus as some kind of meaningless exclamation that has no intent to honor him. We must honor the names of the Trinity. We must speak them with reverence. But I think it's broader than that. I think it's, it's important that we not even speak the name of God in a casual way. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I swear to God, such and such? Or maybe you, you would hear him say, God is my witness, I so and so. If that, if that is just meant to be a, a casual statement, then James says, just say yes or no. Just let your speech honor God. So how do we wrap this up? As I've done throughout the series, I want to give you three questions for you to ponder in your heart 
and answer not to me, but to the Lord. Here's the first. Will you let your belief in Jesus' return motivate you to love those who are not ready for that day? What we believe about the Scripture, what we believe about Jesus' return, doesn't mean that we make enemies out of those who don't know him. Instead, we love them, and we seek to speak and to show the gospel to them. Here's second question. Will you ask God to reveal to you if you have had a critical spirit that has hurt his church and the gospel? Have you ever been guilty of what James was talking about there, grumbling and complaining instead of giving grace and speaking praise? Jesus said unbelievers would know that we are his by how we love each other. If a recording of your words were played on our PA system, would it enforce that or would it deny that? One last question. If you're carrying a heavy load right now, will you take encouragement from this truth and the life of Job and the others and persevere? Persevere until God removes it from you. Wait in tranquility, and as that beautiful song says, and just praise him. Just praise him. God is worthy of praise when things are going great. God is worthy of praise when things are hard. He is worthy of our praise. And it is amazing how praise will help lift the burden. May we be doers of the word as James teaches us on this path towards spiritual maturity. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for challenging and practical teaching from the, the book of James. I pray, Lord, that we would take it to heart and that we would not only hear the word of God, but we would seek to live it out, to be patient, to be peaceful, and to spend our lives persevering through whatever might come our way. I pray for my brothers and sisters today that you would strengthen them with whatever is happening in their life and find as that testimony from that sweet young lady said earlier in that video, God is faithful. You are faithful, O Lord, and help us to believe you. Uh, we pray for this time of prayer. Maybe there are those who are persevering under a, a heavy load, and it would, just, it would just be helpful for them to come to the altar and pray. Maybe there are those who are sick, and they need to do as James will teach us, to come and ask to be anointed and prayed over, praying for the healing that only God can give. Lord, perhaps there are those who need to take their next step in following Jesus, maybe the first step to follow him. Help them to come and say to one of our prayer partners, I need to take the next step, and we'll help them do that. Lord, anoint this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.